Okay, if you have your copy of Scripture, turn and uh, look at James. Look at James. It was uh, you, you had it bookmarked from this morning, um, and uh, you read the entire book uh, this afternoon. You didn't watch football. You memorized the book of James. You didn't take a nap. That's what that's what we all did today, right? Amen. Um, today, um, God just uh, has been wrestling. Uh, with within my chest, within my mind, um, uh, a lot, as sure uh, for for most of you as well. And um, I think that if you've ever studied through the book of James, uh, if you've ever uh, read through, and uh, he, he's kind of got the uh, the howitzer or whatever, he's got the machine gun out, and he's just firing truth after truth after truth, and he's um, he's got a lot a lot to say. And so tonight we'll be looking at a small passage in James chapter 5. Um, I've entitled the message Endure. And um, I guess if for most of us, we're from South Mississippi, we say endure. I don't, I don't know how you spell endure, but uh, I'm just going to say endure tonight for the sake of, uh, you know, being, feeling like I'm smarter than a, a kid that graduated from a small town in Mississippi with a public high school education. That was me. Okay, anyway. Uh, God is good tonight. Let's turn our attention to his word. Uh, James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to ask God to to speak tonight to our hearts. James chapter 5. In the ESV, it says this. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the earth. And the, the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers. So that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience. Brothers, take the prophets. Who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your precious word to us tonight. God, I pray that you would teach. I pray that you would preach. I pray that you would use your servant tonight. God, I love you. I thank you for your precious word. Open up our hearts to the truths within tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Well, question that I just will start out with is, do you struggle with patience while suffering? I mean, how, how, who in their right mind would say, not me? Um, because in the midst of, of suffering, no matter how great or small, no matter if it's something that, that's trying, if it's a wound that's trying to heal on your body, there's this, uh, there's part of you that, you, you get a little nervous about it. When I was in Belize, my, uh, many of y'all knew that I got a little scrape on my foot. And I guess I was just being a sissy about it. But I, I, um, I did send a prayer out for you guys. And I appreciate you praying for me. But I, mean, I was a little anxious about it because I was like, you know, this is really annoying. I couldn't even fit in my shoe. And it was swelling up. And they down there, they were saying, you need to go to the doctor. That's looking kind of nasty. And I wanted to wait till I came home. And I had this little bit scrape on my foot. And I was... I remember trying to wrestle within myself, wrestle within my heart and try to tell myself, it's going to be okay, just quit being a, a sissy, just get over it. And, uh, and I wasn't really suffering that bad. 
But I take that and I poke at myself because I was, I was having a minor inconvenience and I was struggling with patience in the midst of suffering. So yeah, I think we all, at our, uh, at our best, can struggle while uh, suffering. Even it, and, and sometimes it's major suffering that lasts a long time. And many of you know full well, I mean, the, the years that you've suffered with, uh, well, fill in the blank for your life, whether it's a, an emotional suffering or a family suffering, you want one of your uh, children or your family member to come to faith in the Lord, and you've just wrestled with God with that, you've suffered through that. We know what it means to suffer, and I think the key to suffering is just endurance. Because um, as, as much as, Pastors on TV would like to try to get across to the world um, that you can somehow live life without suffering if your faith is good enough or, or whatever kind of baloney they, that they're saying. The truth of the matter is, is life stinks sometimes and we're going to suffer. So it's not if you're going to suffer, you will suffer. And the key to suffering is endurance. You, you, you push through and you... You, uh, you ran the race with endurance. Um, he's not here tonight. I'll pick on him. Luke uh, run, you know, runs the, uh, the store, the run and try store. He's, he runs for miles and miles and miles, and he bikes for even more than that, and he can swim for miles. I mean, it's just incredible what uh, people can do when they condition their body to, for that type of endurance. When we were in Belize, um, you know, Luke was talking about running and he has those really bright running shoes. And some of the boys kind of realized that, okay, he's a, he's a runner. He can run for a long distance. And one boy's name was Benji. He looked at Luke. He said, why are you still fat? And uh, it was funny. Uh, I laughed out loud and Luke was just like, because I like to eat. But the funny thing was, is maybe the next day or so, one boy named Tyreek uh, got up with Luke or in the afternoon because Luke was going for a run. And this Tyreek guy is like, he, he's, got, he's in the body of like a 19-year-old and he's like 13. And so he's got, he's, he's ripped up and he doesn't know he's got muscles and he's really fast. I mean, he can just run around this place. I mean, he just, he looks fast. He is fast. Well, he decided to run with Luke. Well, you know, now I love Luke, but he doesn't look fast. But he just left Tyreek in the dust. I mean, he just blew him out of the water and Tyreek came crawling back. And I'm like, what happened? So he, he, he can last longer than I can. It's because he's conditioned his body to endure. We need to condition our hearts, our spirit to endure. And, and sometimes it just takes just going through the valley, through the trenches, and then you realize that you can endure suffering because you've been there. And you can go to someone else who's going through a trial. You've been there and you can kind of walk with them through it because you have conditioned yourself to endure. If you've read through the book of James, you know right out of the gate, he says something that's just troubling. Right in chapter 1, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's ridiculous to us to say we can count it joy when we meet trials. And you've all heard this passage. You've all read it. and You've all rolled your eyes at that. You've all heard preachers talk about it. But there's an understanding we have in the book of James that James knows that people are suffering. That brothers, sisters in Christ, they experience suffering. And how do we deal with that? And then throughout the book of James, James never concludes that somehow we'll escape suffering. Paul celebrates the opposite almost. Paul just uh, kind of just 
enjoy. It's like he, he's like, I'm, I'm glad I'm suffering for the sake of Christ. He says he wants to share in Christ's sufferings in Philippians chapter 3. Paul's resume, if you, uh, if you want to make a note of this, you can see Paul's resume of his suffering in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Then he says, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received uh, the beating. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Five times I received from the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And night and day adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers. He goes on to say, in danger from my own people, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger from city, in danger in wilderness, danger at the sea, danger uh, from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Now, folks, I hate the cold. He says, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily constant pressure on me, the anxiety that I have for all the churches. And so Paul suffers well. James is kind of laying out kind of a grid here for us to look at. And, it, and I think we can get some encouragement from things tonight of how we can endure. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's right around the corner in your life. I don't, for some of us, I think 2014, it's possible, could be the worst year that we've ever experienced. And we need to endure whatever sufferings could possibly be coming our way. If you look at this passage, verses 7 through 11, I think we can sum it up, maybe just circle that block of text and just write out beside it, stand firm until the end. Stand firm until the end. Because until the end, we have to stand firm. Because if we don't stand firm, we're going to collapse, we're going to fall away. Stand firm until the end. You know, when we look at the suffering that uh, Paul deals with, that James deals with, that a lot of us deal with, maybe even uh, tonight, this week, we've gone through some, some suffering. Um, I think we can look at this passage and, and get some illustrations that can help us in, uh, in our suffering. So the first example that James uses in, in these, passage, these passages, he gives us four, I believe. The first one is the endurance of the farmer. The endurance of the farmer. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Purvis, Mississippi, every summer uh, I would try to get a, a job, a summer job. And uh, I worked at the chicken plant in Collins, Mississippi one summer, and that stunk, literally. Um, I had a job with a, a group called Foster's Fix It, and we did mostly roofing. And that stunk because it was hot. Uh, but a couple of summers I worked with a buddy of mine's dad named Mr. Paul. Mr. Paul was a farmer. And uh, we had a lot of fun, but uh, I got a great respect for farmers. If you are a farmer, if you know a farmer, your dad was a farmer, you grew up on a farm, you know that it takes hard work and endurance. Often there's uh, blood involved. Uh, there are unexpected things that break and, and happen that you just aren't prepared for. We would show up uh, at the farm about 6.30 in the morning and 
There's no telling what we'd be doing. A lot of times we would work until 10 o'clock that night, uh, whether it's building a fence or doing something with the blueberries or the peanuts or whatever. It's just a lot of work. And Mr. Paul was a good farmer. But he, he, he was, you could see in his hands. You could see this, the skin on his face. I mean, he was in the sun. He was in the dirt. He, uh, he worked really hard. He was a good farmer. And a good farmer, when the rains come, they're not panicking. I've got to get this. I've got to go back. I've got to make sure this happens. A good farmer, when the rains are falling down, what they're waiting for is the rains to come. The good farmer takes his gloves off and looks as the, as the rain falls and just waits. Because he's endured the suffering. He's worked really hard to prepare the soil. A farmer works. In verse 7 it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. We do our jobs. We work hard. We do our jobs and we work and expect the promised outcome. The, um, in John chapter 9, Jesus is, is, is saying we work and while it's day because night is coming. The farmer's always chasing daylight. As believers, we're always working. We're always chasing daylight. Because nighttime, you, the farmer doesn't work at night. He can't unless he's got, well, I guess you can now. You've got really good lights on your tractors now. You can, you can work at night some. But the farmer works. Not only does the farmer work, but the farmer is prepared before the rains. This, this, uh, I love this, this phrase, establish your hearts, uh, in uh, verse 8. You also, be patient, establish your hearts for the, uh, before the coming of the Lord. When I was a kid, I, um, I liked to occasionally build things. My grandfather was a hammer swinger. He could... He could uh, build anything, chairs and that kind of thing. The, the biggest project I ever did by myself was I, I built a screened-in porch, porch when I was a teenager at my house. And I was pretty proud of it. It wasn't square, but I was pretty proud of it. Um, one of the things that I, I liked to do was play basketball. And I remember uh, putting my basketball goal up. And I, dealt, I dug a, a pretty big hole, and I got the concrete, and um, I, I put the pole in there. And if, if the concrete's really wet, I mean, you know if you've put a post in the concrete, you can't just put the post in the concrete and then walk away. You got to let it get kind of set a little bit, right? And you got your level on one side, and you go to level on the other side. You 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 try to uh, you you're establishing, you're fixing the post. And so we have to do that. He says, establish your hearts. You got to hold on to it while it's setting, and 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 let it get fixed. When he says, establish your heart, those are strong words, and 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 the reward is. Here is the, the king is coming. He says the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your heart. Get it set. Because a couple of times I had buddies of mine back into my basketball goal. Well, it was set pretty good. I had a big hole of concrete. And when it got hit, it just didn't really budge too much. And we fought. No, I'm kidding. Don't hit my basketball goal. But that, that post was established. We need to establish our hearts. Get it fixed. And then the rains will come and we'll be, we'll be okay. Because we're fixed, we're firm, we're established. I think also the farmer um, understands teamwork. Mr. Paul could have done a lot by himself on the farm, but uh, he had us come. And we, we did some crazy jobs. 
Um, one job we had, there was a disc that broke off of his tractor, and we went into town, and we welded it together. Me and a friend of mine, we didn't have shirts on. We were holding the disc like that, and the guy was welding in our face like that, and it was just splashing all over us. Mr. Paul was laughing at us, and we were screaming, and we looked like, looked like we had chicken pox the next day. But we, we, we did all kinds of crazy things. We, we, we did things together. If we were going down the blueberry row, somebody was driving the tractor, somebody else was hopping out with all the, the mulch, and somebody else was grabbing by hand all the wasp nests and throwing those out. And at the same time as he was driving, he was shouting orders at us, do this, do that. So we, we see in the middle of this, it, it almost looks like it doesn't fit, where James says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. See, there's, there's a, in, in this suffering that we're going through, we establish our hearts. We get fixed on the word and get fixed on who God is. But at the same time, we got to do this together. And, you know, Tony couldn't have said any better this morning. Like, I just, I totally agree. Like, the suffering that we experienced as a church this past week, uh, we, we shone brightly as a church, as a family. And I saw people coming together and doing things for others. And it's just remarkable. People around, they see that. They get around us long enough and they're like, you guys are, y'all are different. Especially if they're not used to seeing brothers work together, teamwork. One person's doing this and others are helping out and, and we're all in this together. The farmer, as he endures, he understands teamwork. As we endure, we understand teamwork as well. We do this together. I need your help. Y'all need each other's help. And it was so clear as we went through the valley. We still go through valleys. The church exists with many parts. We need each other. There's one body, body but many parts. We're not always going to agree, probably. Sometimes we'll probably get irritated at one another. Sometimes it might even get ugly. But we got a job to do. We work together. And we do it before the Lord returns. I think the next illustration is, uh, if you keep going, the first illustration is the endurance of the farmer. The next one is the endurance of the prophets. In verse 10, James turns his attention. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The, the prophets, their main goal was to, to speak. Thus says the Lord, as you, as you read through the prophets. They would speak the word of the Lord, whatever charge God had for his people, whatever, whatever condemnation he had for uh, another, another nation, the prophets would be the ones that would stand up and they would speak. And most people didn't like them because they sometimes would, would, would point a long finger down at you and say, this is why you're being foolish and this is what God's going to do about it. The prophets weren't always popular people. When the prophet was coming down your driveway... You would go and hide in your room because there, there's no telling what he was going to say to you or your family. When the prophet would stand up and say, I got something to say, the king would know the prophet's right. The king wouldn't even like what the prophets had to say. And if you read through and you study through the prophets, not only did they speak and what they spoke was had to do with a lot of suffering on others, but they had to physically live through some of their prophecy. Isaiah, he had to go for uh, uh, several years naked. God says, okay, you got a sermon that you're going to preach to my people and it's going to take you a couple of years and you, you're going to be naked. It's going to be hard. That's suffering. Daniel was exiled. Hosea, you have to marry a prostitute. Ezekiel, I mean, he lived his prophecy with hardships. 
Very tough. Elijah, man, he was up one day, down the next day. Just suffered. I think of Jeremiah. I get so frustrated reading the book of Jeremiah. Because I'm like, I want to... This guy's just preaching for 40 years, doesn't have a single convert. Everybody hates him. They're all, always doing horrible things to him. And it seems like at the same time, um, God, uh, in the midst of the suffering, God just kind of allows Jeremiah to just keep on suffering through all this. And, and there's a passage in Jeremiah chapter 32 where it's, it's horrible. The, the, uh, they're getting taken over. It says, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to him. Behold, Hamamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle will come to you and say, buy my field. And so you, you keep reading in Jeremiah chapter 32. It says um, he, he purchased the, the field from his uncle. And, and there's all kinds of war and horrible things going on. And God came to Jeremiah and said, hey, buy a field. So after I'd given the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord saying, Ah, Lord, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of the fathers to the children after them. Oh, great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty in deeds whose eyes are open to all the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. You have shown your signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and to this day in Israel and among all mankind. You have made a name for yourself at this day. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. And you gave them this land, which you swore to their fathers to give to them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it. But they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all you, you, that you commanded them. Therefore, you've made disaster come upon them. Behold, the siege mounds have come up to the city to take it. And because the sword and the famine and pestilence, the city is given into the hands of the Chaldeans who are fighting against it. What you spoke has come to pass and behold, you see it. Then he says this, yet you, O Lord, God said to me by the field. For the money and get witnesses. Jeremiah is suffering. There's all kinds of wars going on, raging about him. And God, God finally comes to him and says, Hey, Jeremiah, I got a word for you. Go by this field. Make sure you get the, the, the title and get it witnessed. Jeremiah's like, are you kidding me? He suffers. That's why we call him the weeping prophet. After he gets through uh, writing the book of Jeremiah, he's got more to say. He writes a whole book of Lamentations. James takes these prophets. He knows their words. He's read them. He's studied them. He's memorized them. He knows about Elijah and his suffering and his endurance. He knows about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He knows John the Baptist. There's a prophet screaming in the wilderness. And what happened to John the Baptist? Well, he got his head cut off. Because a little girl that was dancing wanted his head on a plate. So James says, consider the prophets. Consider their suffering and their patience. And they endured. Consider the next thing, the endurance of the others. In verse 11 of, of James chapter 5, it says, Behold, we consider those blessed who are remain steadfast. Not only is he talking about the prophets and uh, anybody else who's endured the, the suffering that has caused them to be patient in the midst of suffering, but there's a lot of people in Scripture that just go unnamed. 
There's a lot of people in our history as, as Christians throughout church history that have greatly suffered that just go unnamed. There are people today that come to faith in Christ. They say, this is a beautiful thing. I've, I've, I'm experiencing redemption and forgiveness of sin. And the next thing they know, they, they can't go to the store and buy anything because of the country that they live in. Their family shuns them. They might be pregnant. They can't have their baby in the hospital because they can't get health care. Because maybe they're in a Muslim nation. They're a Christian. There are people today, right now, that are experiencing severe suffering just because they're believers. And we experience suffering all the time. And we've lost sleep over it the past couple of weeks. And James is reaching out to us and, say, and he's saying, just hang in there. Just hang in there. Think about the farmer. He's got to work while it's daylight. He's got to wait for the rains. And he's saying, think about the, the prophets. How they experienced the suffering and patience. They say, think about all these others. And in the book of, the book of Hebrews, it talks about people that have gone unmentioned. In Hebrews chapter 11, that we call that the hall of faith or the hall of fame of faith. And, and in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went on in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. The world wasn't worthy of these blessed martyrs wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. James says, and even the book of Hebrews says, there's, we can look at the suffering of others and we can be encouraged by that. Um, I can remember conversations that I, that I had with with Cordy and I just, you just, he, he just convicted you. And Mr. Sandy, I remember the very first thing I ever heard come out of his mouth when he was talking to me. And, you know, when we think about others who've gone on before us and, and they've suffered, we can consider them and they can encourage us. And I was sitting up there during Corey's funeral and when his stepdad got up here, I'm like, this, that was beautiful. And when you see the, the life of somebody like Corey, we could put him in this passage right here. Of the days to come in our lives, that hardships will come. We can consider those who've gone before us. We can look at the patience and the, and the suffering of the prophets and consider the farmer. We can look, look at somebody like Corey. And we would say, we can press on. We can endure. We can make it. The next thing James turns his attention to is the, the endurance of Job. He just had to throw Job in there. We, we always talk about Job when we're suffering or experience something that's causing us to need patience in our life. You've heard the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. We've all heard the steadfastness of Job. He lost it all, everything. In a matter of days, he lost all of his family and all of his stuff and his health. And he, all he could do, was, all he was left to do, was just plop down and just kind of suffer. He had people in his ears and his wife and his friends who weren't that great of friends talking here and there, and he just suffered. So thousands of years after that, James is writing this to believers who are suffering, 
And thousands of years after that, we're sitting here as believers and we suffer and we bring up Job again. Sometimes we think, you know, he suffered, but God probably wouldn't do that to me. And we have to think sometimes. We have to, to endure. I think we need to be reminded that God has a purpose and a plan for us that it far exceeds our understanding. When I think of the faith of and the trust in God that Corey Gregory had, Corey walked, lived a life of suffering. It's because of that God was able to just reach into his heart and just massage his love into the deepest parts of who Corey was. Because he was hurting. And then we ask ourselves, is God more concerned about our health and well-being or is he more concerned about our faith? Does he want our circumstances to be without pain, without suffering? Or does he want our circumstances to cause us to trust him more? Here's what I do know. I do know that some of you, this past week, you've grown a lot in your faith. You've seen a dear brother suffer. You've seen families, two families in our church suffer. It's caused my faith to grow. It's caused your faith to grow. Sometimes, for the sake of who we are in Christ, for the sake of God's perfect purposes in our lives of sanctification, we'll walk through a valley, we'll suffer. This entire passage in James... This, this whole thing is rooted in uh, final things, uh, end times, the, the period on the end of a long sentence, the credits that roll at the end of this movie that God is, is making in all of us. You see multiple times, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. And then the farmer, the early and the late rains, he goes on to say, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The judge is standing at the door. In the midst of any kind of suffering, any kind of trial, what we need to do is we need to hang in there, establish our hearts, endure through it, lock arms with one another. And I see this happening all the time and I hear about it happening in your Sunday school classes as you're walking, you're suffering together, arm in arm. But one of the things that we have to look to, that we have to be reminded when we suffer, is on down the road somewhere, God's going to say, that's enough. It's finished. The Bible says in the Colossians that, that God is reconciling all things back to himself through the blood of the cross. Things in heaven, things on earth. God is doing a work. He's in the process of making this all be perfect. That one day, shalom will drop. The new heaven and the new earth will come down. And there will not be a single tear. There will there'll be no pain, no suffering, no trials, no tribulation. We're not going to have to endure. Get that out of our vocabulary. Because God says, it's time. And you know what? I just assumed God would come get His church today, the, tonight. Bring us all home. Just, 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 just gather us up right now, God. Just bring us to Yourself. But if not, one day... If you've established your hearts in the judge, as James says, in the the Lord, in the King, one day you're going to go to heaven. 
And those little boys over there talking about Corey. What are they saying about him? It's true. Say that about me. They'll say that about you. One day, we'll walk in patience. We'll endure. Like the farmer, like the prophets, like Job, like others who've gone on before us. And we endure, we endure, and we endure until the end. So, this passage right here in the book of James is just a great passage that just simply says, hang in there until the end. Because I got you through all of this. I know what's happening in the means and I know the end as well. God is completely knowledgeable of and sovereign over every detail of your life. He knows your last breath. He knows your tomorrow. You got something coming up this week? You're nervous about, you're praying about, you're asking others to pray for you about. God knows. He holds your future in His hand. And our job is to latch a hold of Him and endure in faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much, Lord, for Your Word. God, I thank You for Your truth, Lord, that You, that you are at this very moment, God, building in us a person that's seeking after You, God. You're growing our faith. Lord, I pray that you would teach us endurance. I pray that we would look at those who've gone before us, God. I pray that we would be reminded of those who have suffered well and that you would use that. God, that you would use that to grow our faith. Lord God, you're amazing. We need you every step, every moment of our day and the days to come until you bring us home. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen.